You're listening to The Owen 60. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Owen 60 Pod for all the latest news from around the OHL. And now here are your hosts, Reese Dumaney and Colin Ward. Since the summer, uh, our league has been working with the government and health officials on a return to play plan. This has been our sole singular purpose. We were committed to the safe return of our players. Uh, we want our players on the ice, but uh, and, and, and in saying that, we recognize the importance of them getting back to play on their mental and physical health and their development as young people, as players. But we can only return to play when safely uh, to do so. Over the past 10 months, we've had extensive discussions with a wide range of government officials and health officials, understanding by the Premier's own admission that Ontario has the toughest restrictions in all of North America. It should be noted that a couple of weeks ago, we in fact received permission from the Chief Medical Officer and from the Premier of the province that we could return and play. On the eve of that announcement, the COVID-19 conditions dramatically worsened. It, uh, it resulted in not being able to proceed with that announcement. Since then, of course, we've had an extended stay-at-home order. Uh, the increasing severity of the variant, uh, we just couldn't safely return to play this season. We have made the decision to move our focus to planning for next season, the 2021-22 season. Before I get to questions, I want to say in particular to the players and their families and their billets that we know that this has been such a difficult time for you. And thank you for your patience, your emails, your social posts, and your calls. We heard you. We understand. We're very fortunate to have such special young people as part of our league. That was the commissioner of the OHL after the announcement was made that there will be no OHL hockey until at least September of 2021. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the 53rd installment of the Owen 60 podcast. I'm Reese Dumaney along with Colin Ward. Our, uh, we were all hyped. Big show this yeah, we week. Were. Have a guest on. It's a pre-recorded interview, but it's still very, very relevant despite the news coming down today. We were all excited about that. And then I'm at work and I get a text message from Mr. Ward saying season is done <laughs> we're done what are, I, we doing? what are we talking golf hockey? for a second i'm <laughs> like are you talking about the ontario hockey league or did the western hockey league can <laughs> it right away or we're, we're done what are we done hey guys go home and then it clued in i'm like eh, nope probably not it's the ohl yeah. and of course i go on twitter and it is all over my twitter feed and the day has finally day. come we we knew it was going to happen, Colin. We and knew we they weren't going to play hockey. I think we I think we said it the World Junior Preview episode. 
when I couldn't get any names right on Team uh, Russia or Finland, one of those teams, I couldn't get any name right. <laughs> that that episode, that episode when we started cheering for the Jacks, yeah. that episode, that episode was the one when we said like, "There's no way if you get past World Juniors, you can start a league because the dub the dub already had a plan in place to start." Yeah, and it took them some time, and it's still not really going smoothly. So, yeah, you saw East Division though, the East Division in the WHL. Yeah, they figured it yeah. out in that in there with they those. Did. Yeah, they did seven teams, but and, and that's that's kind of what we were anticipating in the O is divisional play. Yeah. What we had it all drawn up. We had it drawn up too. Yeah, we had it drawn up perfectly. We had like the twenty five percent capacity thing. We had it all yeah. set up. Crappy day, man. It's unfortunate. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah, um, we had a we had a full show recorded. We did it Monday night, April nineteenth. Had it all ready to go, and then yeah, the news came down. So this got released around seven thirty on Tuesday, April twentieth, and we recorded this first segment probably ten minutes before uh, this episode got posted. So yeah, that's kind of in in emer- I guess you could say we were in emergency mode to try and. Um, because yeah. we knew we still had a bit of time and for any listeners out there that are wondering, Hey, what happened to the one o'clock releases and stuff? Um, as much fun right. as we enjoyed releasing the show at one o'clock, um, it's easier. At life it's sucks. Easier. And yeah, it's uh, easy. we work during the day. So <laughs> it's easier. Uh, it's easier. Seven, eight o'clock. It's yeah. Yeah. Well, o'clock. you can expect uh, episodes now to be released. Uh, we're still going to try for Tuesdays. I think that's, that's the best day for sure. For sure, yeah. Uh, especially with the off season now, we can record on Sunday because we know nothing's going to happen on Monday. So that's true. Yeah, uh, that's very true. Yeah, you can expect this out on Tuesday nights at seven, between seven seven thirty, uh, around that time. Before I hop on the vintage PS4 and uh, hey. play some video games, man, you can call it vintage now. And well, every mean, game coming for- out is PS5 heavy, so. Yeah, and I mean, I'm going to beat all you guys at golf anyway. That's so. not what I heard, but okay. I'm gonna... oh, who's the source? Who's the source? I'll send him a message right now. Go That's my, uh, I can't give up my source. He's, uh, he's in the Big Ten. <laughs> That's all I can tell you. Good one there, Mr. Patrick. Yeah, I like, like that, eh? Cheers, cheers. That's a good um, one. It's water. it's water in this uh, blue solo cup. Oh, 0-60 solo cup. <laughs> um, kind, of, kind of a yeah. big deal. For, for anyone that wants to hear that, uh, that clip of David Branch at a modified press conference that we weren't invited to. Thank you, OHL. See how it is. Just, yeah. Uh, yeah, thanks for the invite. But uh, yeah, of course, it's up on the Ontario Hockey League's Twitter. Of course, you can also just hit replay to start the episode over again. And uh, <laughs> we, we've, we've both retweeted it on our Twitter, so you can catch mm-hmm. it there as well. But kind of give you a rundown in this article before we get into our thoughts and um, our opinions on this decision, but yep. essentially in this article, uh, David Branch says, we have worked tirelessly with the province and the chief medical officer of health for the past year on different scenarios and different windows of opportunity. But the reality is the conditions in Ontario have never been right to start and complete yeah. an uninterrupted safe opportunity for players to showcase their skills. We owe it to our players and their families to be definitive. We were committed to a return to play this season, but our hopes and desires have been dashed by the cruel realities of COVID-19. Yeah, the problem is 
So the one question I would love to ask Commissioner Branch is, you, so you have the conversation about players' mental health, but, I mean, there's been no talk. I mean, everyone knew the season was going to get canceled, and the players, the thing that really bugged the players' mental health, as you can see firsthand from letters, emails, tweets from players, social media posts. Yeah, look how many the, players tweeted out today. Yeah, yeah. So how do you not see the players' mental health being affected by not by this announcement taking so long? Because players can play elsewhere, right? And I mean, that's unfortunate. I mean, where are they going to play anyways? I mean, there's so there's so little spots. But I wish it would have been more out there, more straightforward at the start, just because players' mental health and stuff. I think that for a lot of guys, I mean, everyone's different, but I think for a lot of people, it'd be better because people's livelihoods are on the line here. It would be a lot better to hear something sooner so then you can adapt, right? Because now, I mean, now it's April and it's kind of tough, right? So it would have been nice to be more straightforward when, We've been saying it since November, December that it's getting weaker and weaker. Yeah, the well, season. So, well, well, and all the arguments about well, these guys have to get prepared for the NHL draft. You know, it's all about the NHL draft. Well, no, it's not. It not all of these players will make the NHL. If you really look at it, rarely any less than probably a quarter of the players per year, maybe even less than that. Yeah. But less than a quarter of the players each year will not will make the NHL at some point in their hockey careers that out of the 75% they're fighting for spots in the AHL. No such thing as an AHL draft. They're fighting for a spot on an ECHL team. There's no ECHL draft. Uh, They're fighting for maybe a contract in Europe. And I'm sure there's drafts there, whether or not it's North American favored or I, I have no idea. I'd have to do a little bit more research, but there's spots well, on other teams. There's U sports. NCAA is still an opportunity, yeah. especially for some of the Americans that come up and yeah. don't end up making the NHL um, after their 19 or 20 year old uh, yeah. year. So it's, it, it's not about the NHL draft. The league was not no going to character. play just to get players showcased for the NHL draft. It was a big was- part of it. But yeah. they were getting well, player. They were going to give players the best opportunity to move ahead, and essentially, you're you're essentially graduating from this league yeah. onto better leagues and highly skilled um, competition all over the world. So it, it's very unfortunate that and, they could not get some form of modified season in this season. Exactly. And- the the big picture here, realistically, I mean, we, there's it's impossible to have a season right now. We're yeah, averaging four thousand cases. We're a mess right now as a province. It's a mess. So there's another thing too. We have three teams in the states that would have to cross the border. You cannot do a three team division in February. You it's tough to drive. It's tough to drive a half, ten minutes down the road. Can you imagine driving from Erie to like Saginaw on a Wednesday night? I don't think so. So. That's tough. You got to take all that stuff in effect too. I mean, going from like London to Owen Sound on a Wednesday night, Thursday night game. Those are tough trips and you're not on the highway. I mean, it's very, it's tough, but it's just too hard for the league to go through all this. I mean, with the cases the way it is, I mean, the province being how messed up it is. Yeah. It's just, you can't, you can't, I mean, people's life well, on the line here. I mean, there's a lot more bigger fish to fry, in my opinion. 
Well, and as, as I read on, on this article, this is where I laughed a little bit. Ontario has the strongest health restrictions of any jurisdiction in North America. And we understood that this would make a return to play scenario extremely difficult. You, you really think Ontario has had the strictest health restrictions of any jurisdiction, (laughs) North America. Okay. I, I, I can kind of understand that, but really, have you saw the protests lately around here? It hasn't been very fun. Just because there's restrictions doesn't mean. I mean, I I guess if there's strong restrictions, but my question is, why can the oh, Leafs and the Senate, why can why man. can the Leafs and Senators play in Ontario? Money talks, money talks, but yeah, it's unfortunate. It's yeah, I don't. It's it's, it's crap, sad. It's a but, crappy situation. It really is. One, one takeaway I took away from uh, Kishner Branch's presser, though, uh, the OA situation for yeah. next year. So this year's OA was the 2000 year. So we are done with the 2000s. So we're officially there. Well, but This point came up when the pandemic started. We discussed this. Do they give the yeah, – We had a Twitter poll about it. We said it. yeah. We've and we, we both – we, we both said yes. Maybe we'll do it again. I did for you. Maybe we'll retweet our original Twitter poll – and say, how about yeah. now? Essentially. Well, I think now you just have to limit. I'll get. I mute mine now. I know how to do it. Finally. Nice. <laughs> Finally. But yeah, I mean, I think now with the situation, I think maybe one, maybe one, two players on your team. Unfortunately, it's yeah. Because you're still gonna, you I still mean, gotta have the three OAs. You can't have six, for the yeah, ones. Yeah, and you can't have sixteen-year-olds playing against. 22 or against 21 year olds, 22 year olds. I mean, you can't have that. It's, un, it's unfortunate. Yeah, but, that, but, but that's essentially the same situation. Patrick Marlowe setting the record last night against the oh, Vegas Golden you Knights. Played? You think about some of the players on the Vegas Golden Knights. They aren't even, they weren't even thought of when mm-hmm. Patrick Marlowe made his NHL debut. Yeah. So that, that's where you're kind of like, well, if that can happen, then why can't this happen? Again, the NHL, it's a lot more resources money than it takes the Ontario Hockey League and they really don't give a crap how old you are in the NHL obviously you have to be 18 but if you're still effective at 41 then you're still yeah. gonna play hockey so well, plus it takes plus it takes minutes away from the 16 year olds and the yeah, NHL exactly exactly and, exactly. It, and it would hurt and it would hurt the draft there's gonna be two years of rookies like the rookie of the year is gonna be two age groups this year yeah yeah it'll be like the draft you 17 you 16 yeah I mean, it'll be weird, but it's unfortunate what happened. But I think that maybe one – I don't think he can go two. Maybe one player. I need one, yeah, but how do you have that more. conversation with the other – How do you do that? How do you part hey, ways with that We're going to go with this OOA mm-hmm. over overager. Mm-hmm. So do you go two? So do you go two? Because you're always going to have that problem. Then, you gotta, then you're going to cut one. Yeah, That's a it, tough part. It also depends on commitments. How many commitments have we seen to U Sports uh, teams? We've seen a lot in the last I've seen month a lot. or two. So I've seen a lot more than usual. That, that's where it might be a little bit easier. Where these guys say, "Oh, sorry, I've already committed to this school," and yeah, that's where it's kind of like, "Oh, okay." Wow. Whereas if another player hasn't, then they might be like, "Oh, yeah." Well, there's a, here. There's a question there. There's a question there about the education package. Do teams have enough money to afford the extra year of education package? Well, I mean that one announcement. I guess 
I get was it a month ago? I can't remember. Two months, a month and a half. Uh, yeah, OHL education plan from uh, Lisa McLeod, and that was yeah. What's her face? I think Christine Elliott. And that's the and that's the part where you can see why that's for to see the extra OA year because yeah. the teams are going to need more money because a lot of teams aren't going to be able to pay that extra year. It's so hard already with the three you have like that'll be oh once, so that's tough. But I think if you're good, I think it's just an unfortunate circumstance to have i i'm going to tell you this though i really feel bad for the guys that never had a good year last year yeah at 16 and and honestly there's nothing against having a bad year or whatever a down year because it's your first year in the league and you're only playing five i'm pretty sure we'll get into tonight. this with our guest uh, yeah exactly the draft to point it out yeah and the, another thing is the draft the draft is going to be june or july i'm not Sure, but it's been, I know for sure it'll be June or July. Um, how they do that, that's interesting because Reese says you know the Niagara Ice does you not have a first round pick this year. Yep. How do you how do you do a draft this year? I don't think you go the same order as last year because you can't. obviously there's no way. because Kingston. I, I'm just gonna say Kingston is a lot better than last year. Kingston is Kingston's a second round team this year in the playoffs. And yeah. the difference and honestly, Reese, you know this from covering the Ice Dogs. The difference between the first round and the second round in the OHL in the conferences go from eight to four is massive. It's mm-hmm. a massive difference. I mean, you get to that first round and then Niagara plays Oshawa. Like, it's a big difference from playing North Bay in the first round. No offense, North Bay. Yeah, well, and- they're a younger team, but Niagara was loaded. Niagara was going for the for an OHL Cup. And that's the part that it's a big difference. And I think that Kingston is a second round team for sure. And I think North Bay's a playoff team now. I mean, Ty Nelson's going to step up now and be a second year player right away yeah. and be legit. Ty Nelson's going to be a first, second defenseman for North Bay. It's just the way it's going to be. Well, no, also with the talks of Ty Nelson being a first round pick in the national hockey league draft, like exactly. Top 10 I'm, I'm not saying will solid. his draft stock go down. Cause he missed his rookie season, 16 year old season. I'm not saying that at all, but, but it's massive. Yeah. You, you never really that role, truly know. That, that, well, he would have played. I think he would have played more than phenomenal seven player. Tonight. We're not taking anything away from yeah. the caliber of player he is. It's just we don't we don't know. We haven't seen him play hockey in an Ontario yeah. hockey league jersey. So and, there, and and there's a huge difference. And there's a huge difference between junior or from minor midget to junior. Yep. It's a massive difference because when you once you get drafted, you're basically that's the start of your career. That's your career. You're in the system. Once you get drafted in the Ontario Hockey League. You are in the system. You are on the radar. Even if you don't play a game, you are on the radar because you're in the Ontario Hockey League, and it's the biggest and probably the best development league in the world. No offense to the other leagues, the other two leagues in the CHL, but the OHL is the best development league in the CHL, the best in the world. You, I've watched the games in the dub, and I've watched the games in the queue, and it's not even close, the structure in the games. It's not even close, in my opinion. I think the OHL is so strong, and – it's going to be interesting to see because I think Ty Nelson's a top 10 pick and it's going to be weird. Cause you know, like when you're 16, you don't get that chance to be that sixth, seventh defenseman and really watch. And then he's going to, instead of watching, he's going to get thrown right into the fire of, you know, uh, killing penalties, power yep. play. It's going to be right in the fire. 100%. And I hope, and these kids are smart. These kids are smart. I really hope they can watch a video on last year's team to really get a feel for it. Cause yeah. I mean, Luke Evangelista is first year, and it's crazy the difference. So Luke Evangelista, if he's ranked in the fifth, if he's ranked from the fifth round to the seventh round at the start of the year, let's say, 
fifth to undrafted. I think they call it like the eighth round or undrafted, like after the seventh, because they always have like the extra 30 guys. So you're probably going from 550,000 to 750,000 yeah. being drafted from the fifth and later. Because you're first trying to get 925, I think it is. Might have went up. But Luke Evangelis, so like Luke Evangelista, he starts the year a bottom round, a late round pick. He gets drafted in the second round. You go from that much to possibly making 925000 that's a major difference in your career. And this year, that's not going to happen for OHL prospects going into the NHL unless you're, I mean, a, a Pinelli, a Othman, a McTavish, a Clark. That's, ma- that's a major difference, and you'll, then you will because they're first-round picks. But those guys that are not, that's unfortunate. You're not going to get that this year because there's a lot of guys in the league that had – Years that you didn't really notice them because they were only 16. They're getting their feet wet. They're doing – and there's nothing wrong with that. That's good coaching. That's good development. If they're in the right spot, that's good development. And yeah, well, that's – Think about it. Brett Brochu got passed. What did yeah. he – what will he have to offer? Well, yeah, technically his it. third year on paper. Really, it'll be and his second nice. season with the London Knights uh, come yeah. September. But – um, it's nice he signed. It's nice he got the American Hockey League deal. That's oh, hundred nice. percent. Yeah, that's nice. I mean, Riley McCourt, show guest Riley McCourt. Yeah. Can you imagine if he never got the Marlies offer? I'd feel so bad for the kid. Yeah. I feel so bad for the kid. I mean, because he deserves it. I think he was he was Flint's best defenseman in my opinion, and I thought like he deserved a deal, and I'm glad he got it because that was very unfortunate. Yeah. And I hope for next year that they really that they really like the NHL gets the scouts right and gets the guys in the draft get a second chance because there's a lot of guys that can get passed up and it's unfortunate. Yeah. That's that. And for the and quickly for the draft lottery system, I think nine point five percent chance for every team. That's I think the yeah, best just way to throw do the it balls is. into the pot and yeah. And then once the first pick's done then you throw the Niagara in there. Or Niagara doesn't have a first round pick, so you definitely yeah, have to be a second a rounder. So you just That's throw nineteen balls into the pot? Or you can throw twenty. Not or you can 20. throw twenty. Or you can throw twenty, and then wherever they just pick, have a blank one. Wherever you pick, yeah, wherever you pick them, that's where they fall in the second round. Yeah, you'd have to. Because yeah, you, you can't just give you can't just yeah. give them the twenty. You can't just give them the fortieth pick in the draft. That's fair. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah I never thought about that. But um, I think lottery's the best way. Yep. Yeah, yeah, there hasn't been any details yet on the draft. We're hoping it happens. Um, by two weeks soon. The next. Yeah, two weeks. That'd be that'd be well. Great. Next week, next week, I kind of want to go over the two thousands. Let's go over the two thousands next week and see what we can do before we get to the Billy Sullivan interview. But I mean, we can. That'd be nice. Get to the two thousands next week and see uh, what's going on. Yes. Pay, tri- pay tribute to those guys. Last year we paid tribute to the yeah. OAs that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's pay tribute to those guys. So those guys have had great careers. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Let's do that. Oh, oh, the second annual OA appreciation show uh, coming on the next episode of the Own Sixty podcast, but. Uh, we got to get to break because we are being joined by Billy Sullivan in a pre-recorded interview. <laughs> yes, sir. And it sounds like it's going to be live or we're actually going to do it, but we're not. It is pre-recorded from the 20th of April 20th. at like eight o'clock at night. Um, great conversation. You're all going to enjoy it. He gets into great. Um, you, you, a lot of people yeah. around here kind of hear the system that goes on here in Ontario, but he kind of, rolls it out and kind of gives everyone an idea of what it's like to look at kids from Pennsylvania and Ohio and New York, you know, not just Michigan where 
Um, of course, two OHL clubs call home. So, uh, yeah, good chat coming up yeah. with uh, Billy Sullivan next on the Owen 60 podcast. This is the Owen 60. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Owen 60 pod for all the latest updates and news from around the OHL. Welcome back to the Owen 60 podcast. I'm Reese Dumaney along with Colin Ward. Of course, make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Owen 60 podcast. It's got the link tree up to our Facebook, uh, everywhere you can find your podcasts, the website as well. All of our uh, writer Joel Vanderland's articles are up there. So make sure you check those out. And uh, we're finally back to a good second segment because it's been a while since we've had one of those. Uh, it's usually reserved for guests and this week, it's a first on the Owen 60 podcast, used to having media members like Reed Duthie or players, and go specifically with our London Knights guests, Luke Evangelista and Brett Brochu on the show. So might as well stick with the London Knights, but we'll head to the scouting department uh, with this one. Billy Sullivan joins us. He's the U.S. scout for the London Knights. Billy, really appreciate you doing this. How are you? I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me on. How you guys doing up there? I, I, I assume it's not great, but how you doing up there? Come on, oh, we're, we're hanging in here. Yeah, no golf. That's all. Yeah, I no can golf. Say. It's been rough. No golf hurt. Yeah, we've had some, we had a sandbagger invitational, an OHL sandbagger invitational lined up, and it got canceled. So that was unfortunate because yeah. I felt like I was in contention this year to win something. So that's unfortunate. Oh, that's tough. Did they give you guys a reason? I feel like I feel like golf is the one thing maybe you guys could do comfortably during all this. Yeah, if we can walk it, I mean, there's yeah, I have no problem walking. Yeah. Like I have my yeah, own same. push cart. Like it doesn't bother yeah. me whatsoever. It's probably better because you know exercise is good. But uh, yeah. um, it's it's weird. Golf courses have done everything because they obviously they lose thousands per day, even per hour. If you think about it, uh, what probably six tee times an hour every ten minutes yeah. or so. Yeah, yeah maybe more. Sure. sure, sure, yeah. yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, it hasn't been the most fun in the world and uh, hasn't been the most, the best hockey year, hockey winter, I Uh, guess you could say. I would argue it has been the worst hockey year. Oh, by far. Not even close. Well, and it's tough. Wings fans, rough year. Mm -hmm. Iserman, that's been our, that's been our high side. So it's, uh, (laughs) it's actually been okay. But uh, for you in terms of, uh, you know, looking at players and essentially you're preparing the London Knights for the future <laughs> for when the Ontario Hockey League is ready to come back. So as a scout, what's COVID been like? How have you been able to see guys? And obviously restrictions are a little bit different mm-hmm. in the U.S., but for you, what's this experience been like over the last 13, 14 months? Well, in terms of scouting, it hasn't been a world of difference, but it has been um, the schedule layout. Usually in a normal year, it's like, okay, here's what I'm doing for the next two months. Here's the events that I could be going to. I got these three things this weekend, these four things this weekend. Now, what am I going to decide on going to? And then as I come up each week, I decide, and then I go. This year, essentially what's going on is, okay, it's Wednesday, Who's got games going on? What's going on Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Where are they playing? 
Um, how many games they play, are they playing? Who can I talk to to figure out where we're going? Now, that's I'm not making it sound like – I am making it sound like we're scrambling. And it is for a bit. There also are, you know, things that are laid out, events that are set up in a higher events that are set up in Pittsburgh. A lot of showcase things were going on this year. Mm-hmm. Um, the primary difference that we have down here to up in Ontario is we're not very league-based where you guys are. You guys – we right. kind of do showcases – in tournaments and we have a ranking system and the goal at the end of the year is to go to nationals. And, um, but they're, the leagues aren't as crucial. I want to say as they are up there, what's important is your ranking for nationals. So this year um, got to go to a lot of games. I've been lucky in that department. I'm in Pittsburgh, which Pennsylvania has been relatively open and I'm right next to Ohio, which has been, um, you know, you know, just Sodom and Gomorrah over there. They're open all the time. I have no idea. I don't even know if they've changed anything over in Ohio. So they they opened up a good bid, and a lot of teams were going and playing there. Um, and the biggest thing on top of, you know, just figuring out the travel schedule and everything is, you know, utilizing video, which I'm sure we can get into a little more, but video has become yeah. extremely important this year. Yeah. So you've been around the hockey landscape, you've been in the ball, men's ball hockey team. Um, how much did that help you develop in your, your scouting role? I mean, ball hockey's tough. I mean, you have to have – it's for real skill. So how does that help you find the talent in, on the transfers to the ice? I think ball hockey has been, I mean, such a – just a gigantic part of my life. It still is. And I've been lucky enough to do it at a pretty high level and coach at a high level <laughs> and play at a high level. Um, and – I think then how it's helped me with, you know, scouting per se is really understanding how kids see the game because on the, on the ball hockey rink, you see it a little bit differently that I always tell people when in ball hockey, how it helps you in, with ice hockey is, you know, your positioning. Yeah. For the little guys, but in ball hockey, somebody's on you all the time, right away. Yeah. You don't have much space. Your decisions have to be made quick. Um, and then also, Seeing that negative space for it's hard to explain unless you play ice and ball, but for whatever reason, for me, it was a little easier to see the negative space on the deck and like, okay, on the ball hockey rink, here's where I'm going. Here's the dead space. Here's the naked space. Here's how I can communicate with my team um, and get to there. And I, in going into ice hockey and, you know, just evaluating and even before evaluating, playing, trying to figure out a way to, you know, get that over the biggest thing I take I've taken from ball hockey is the players who really understand the game. Yes. You know, you want the skill and everything. And I'm sure we'll talk about that. The, the players who understand the game and learn how to find that dead space and that a dead area, they succeed in ball hockey, but in ice hockey, I mean, that's where that's the difference between being a pretty good junior hockey player and, you know, making $7 million a year. Yeah. yeah. Well, and knowing the game, how much of that, has yeah. changed in the world of looking at players. You, you can obviously evaluate their hands or their skating with their legs. And, but hockey sense is really starting to become the biggest topic of discussion when it comes to up and coming players. Yeah, no, of, of course. I mean, think about the, the top players in the, in the NHL right now, you know, what Connor McDavid, what everybody knows he's a lightning bolt and he's extremely fast, right? But look at what he's capable of deciding in a blink of an eye. Look at where Austin Matthews, you know, 
Yeah, he gets a bunch of goals, but how does he get those goals? Well, how does the best goal scorer in the National Hockey League constantly find himself open? You know, it's because he's mm-hmm. making these decisions to allow himself to get into these, these positions. So the hockey IQ, us in London, we always, you know, we're looking for skill. We want the skill. We want the hockey IQ. We want the skill, the hockey IQ. We'll talk about the other things for a little bit. Then we go back to the skill and the hockey IQ. So in, in evaluating these players, you know, you have to keep in mind what things they can be getting better at. Like, okay, Joe Schmo, man, I really like how he comes in on his own entries every time. You know what I like about Joe Schmo? He doesn't always just go forehand back hit. He escapes out. Maybe he'll stop. Maybe he'll go forehand. He has a different zone entry every time. That's a sign of a kid who understands the offensive zone a little bit. Now, Joe Schmo doesn't exactly have the wheels that a Liam Foodie has. But when he's 18 – could Joe Schmo develop his pace? What's his skating now like? So once you start to understand and at least not even understand, just give your opinion on what a player has in the, in between the ears, which is so, you know, just gigantically important, then you can start to make your assumption off of, okay, what are these other, where are these other tools going? How much time do we have with those tools? Knowing that at the very least, this kid is a brain surgeon on the rank, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, how hard is that to tell? I mean, what they're going to be like at 18 now? I mean, this year with the Zoom calls, I mean, the, I'm sure like the face to face conversations are almost non existent this year. How's that like to talk to a kid and uh, try to pick their brain in a situation like this year? You know what? It's almost a little bit different for me down here. We're up, up there. I know it's a lot of Zoom calls. Yeah. Um, like it has to be, you know, who, I mean, I mean, there's what so many exhibition games and stuff going on up there. You get some four on four. There was some stuff going on with no face-offs and, and stuff up there. Right. Yep. Going on yeah. for the kids. Yeah, Minor hockey. Yeah. Yeah. Minor hockey has been all over. down here. I've been lucky where I've been able to go to games. And again, like I mentioned, we'll get into video, but I have been able to kind of do my normal, you know, communicating with kids face to face. I'll give you an example we drafted a kid by the name of Brody crane last year. Um, yeah. I'm extremely biased towards him. You know, he's kind yeah, of, I, wanted I to had eat. that down here for you. I had that down <laughs> here for you. <laughs> I, I'm yeah. very biased, but a situation came up last year. I was watching him play in Amherst um, and they were playing a lesser team. Brody was playing a year up U 16 against a, you know, a team that wasn't as great. And the kids were kind of going through the motion. And the only reason I remember this is because it was the first time I really, like, really talked to Brody one-on-one. After the game, his grandpa, his mom and dad were there. Brody came out. I talked to him a little bit. They stepped to the side. They were going to dinner, so I didn't want to take up too much of their time. And I was like, Brody, I understand you guys are going through the motions. You want eight to one, this and that. But you were one of the best players that I've seen when you have the puck on your stick. So why do you not have the puck on your stick for 90% of the game? And what can we do to get you not, it's not like he was hanging out on the perimeter or anything, but he was almost overthinking and, and just finding himself in spots where he wasn't getting the puck. So what can we do to fix that? Anyways, long story short or long, rather, I thought I was like, Brad, you need to get lower. Stop getting high on the breakout, going to the far blue line. And then you get there, stop. And then you watch the guys come in on the zone entry. You want to be the guy that have the puck on the zone entry, get low, get low, get low, stay low, get the puck, carry it out yourself. And the, this is the first time I actually like not coach, but communicated with Brody. And my point is that next game, 
what do you think he did? Just lit it up. Exactly what you said. Yeah, he got low. He had the puck on his stick half the game all because he – right there, boom. Okay, this kid's coachable. Hockey, yeah, hockey IQ, coachable. That's huge, dude, especially going to the program like London. Um, yeah, yeah. Speaking of Brody Crane, um, I mean, oh, London fans were very excited about that pick. Uh, what do you think – OHL and London Knight fans should expect in Brody Crane when to eventually when the OHL opens. I think the biggest thing for Brody for fans to expect of Brody is that he is an entertaining type of hockey player. He is fast. He's not like uh, he's not like a Jack Hughes where he kind of floats on his skates. Um, he's more of like a, a powerful skater. Like you know, if he if there was nobody else in the rink, you could hear him coming type thing. Um, and he generates a lot of power. And he has this dragon release that's maybe one of the best I've ever seen. He can come down the left wall or the right wall, bring it, you know, six inches over, put it where he wants it. And um, also, most importantly, and this is kind of a lost art for any kids who listen, like Brody hits the hurt, you know, and I'm not saying like, hey, kids go out to hurt people, but he doesn't just kind of casually run in the people just like, oh, let me finish my check. Like Brody wants to go through you. And he's and it's fun to watch and it's entertaining. And I can tell you for a fact that every NHL team wants a guy like, you know, Tom Wilson on their team. Not saying Brody's Tom, but I'm saying, you know, that uh, a tough type player with skill. And I can knock you to Chuck. Exactly. Like a like a Kachuk. I I probably should have brought that one up as a post. But um, (laughs) Brody has so much to get better at still. And that was my biggest thing with Brody. Like Brody. You're fantastic with the puck. This you got so many things that we're good at. Imagine if we can fill out the rest of this game, and who's better to show him that than you know Dale Hunter and Mark Hunter and and Steady and Dylan Hunter. I mean, he's I have the sky's the limit for Brody, and I think he's in the perfect spot for him to develop into what he's going to become. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you got an interesting call with the getting to the London Knights. Can you talk us through when you got your uh, first full-time scouting gig with the London Knights? Yeah. Um, I was kind of just like everybody trying to get my foot in the door. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the first two, first two years I was going to the rink. Um, I was watching minor midget and Bantam hockey. I was, com- you know, I would email OHL, USHL, OJHL, NAHL, you know, anything that ends in HL team. I was trying to, you know, communicate yeah, with, exactly. you know, you got to get your foot in the door. Um, yep. I had one family friend who I knew was in hockey and I called him up and he used to work for Tampa and I was telling him like, listen, I want to get into it. I've done all my research. This is what I want to do. And I'm ready to dive in. And I was hoping he was like, Hey, Sully, you know, just, you know, you want to come work for Tampa? Boom. But you know, that's not how it worked. He said, Billy, you got to keep calling. You got to, you know, get it in on your own. And thank God he did that because I'm so happy that he did that as opposed to, you know, you know, just making something up that was never going to happen in my head. So anyways, I do that for two years. Nobody really is communicating back with me. Um, because when people do this and I was one of them, when you're trying to get in the door, you tend to communicate with scouts versus management and none of the scouts are going to say, Hey, take, come take my job kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, You know, you don't think about that, but anyways, uh, I communicated an OJ team reached out to me. I started doing a little bit of stuff for them, but then Ken Hornick, who was the director of scouting for London one day, um, reached out to me, reached back to me. And he was like, Hey, you know, there's this tournament going on in Philly. I was like, I'm there. I'm there. I don't, you know, he showed me how they do their stuff on rink net, how they rank and stuff. So, I made a carbon copy of, 
you know, how they do their things on my word, on my word processor there. And then I sent my report in, you know, they liked it. Um, I went to a couple more for them, same thing. I, you know, just that whole first year, 2016, 17, the year after they won the Memorial Cup became my volunteer year with the London Knights. And I drove myself up to the GTHL All-Star game. I just kept showing up, you know, and, and mm-hmm. so they knew I was there and I knew I was into it. And I sent them everything I can. And then at the end of the year, I was kind of like, okay, hey, what's going on? Like, what can I, what can I do to stay here? I'm all in. And London didn't have anybody except for in Michigan. Um, so I gave a proposal where I do everything but Michigan. And that's where I am today. I do the States and we have a gentleman, Craig, who does Michigan. Um, but that phone call by, by Ken Hornick, he didn't have to do that. You know, Ken, yeah. Ken could have been like everybody else and just said, you know, I get a dozen of these, but Ken responded to me. And because Ken responded to me, he changed my life. And I hope the lives of a bunch of kids in the process, you know? Yeah, for sure. Being out of the U S I mean, obviously being in the U S you're going to have to compete with guys that have NCAA aspirations. How big is the OHL in particular, the London Knights state side compared to colleges? What do you say to kids to sell them on the OHL or do you even have to, because it's so big? No, I have to, I have to sell them. That's my biggest obstacle down here. You're in that spot. You're in that spot. You got Michigan, Ohio state, Penn state. You got it all right there in the big 10. Well, it's not just, you know, where I am too. It's all out east. We, I grew up, I played NCAA hockey, you know, I played on a much lower end than the kids I'm recruiting, but it's our culture. You know, if a kid grows up Mm -hmm. in, in, in Chatham, like where do you think he wants to play? You know, you know, like if a kid grows up in outside of London or in Elgin or something like he wants to play for the London Knights. When you grow up in certain areas in the States, um, it's, it's our culture. You know, the, the NCAA is our mm-hmm. culture. Every other sport in the world is high, is U sports, high school, maybe a little bit of AAU, NCAA. And if you're very good at it, professional ranks. Every other sport in the world is that way. So yeah. if you don't know about major junior, which nobody truly does, unless you had an older son go through the process until that ban a major um, or minor midget year everybody is just, well, why wouldn't I go to college? You know, where, where are all these, where are the Sidney Crosby's and the Patrick Kane's, where are all these guys coming from? They don't, they don't know. They don't care. They just know that school is that next step in the development. Um, and that's where I kind of have to come in and say, you know, hold on. Whoa, whoa, listen. And I always, whenever I talk to parents, like a big group or kids, like teams or anything, I always start out with, I truly believe the majority of kids should go the college route. It's not even close. The majority of kids are not going to be getting drafted in the National Hockey League. The majority of the kids are going to need to get their civil engineering degree. The majority yeah, exactly. of the kids are going to need to learn how to do this, but not everybody. And I truly believe that. And I think that's the big difference between me and a lot of, you know, and uh, people who think like me in the States, a lot of people, you know, major junior is a nice thing up there, but you know, we got, we got our college hockey thing. Yeah, for sure. So you spoke about video. How important is video for this year, watching video on kids and getting the most video you can get on kids? Well, it's gigantic. It's gigantic. And before this year, I was always a big advocate of using video to emphasize to Mark and Rob and my bosses and my other guys like, Hey, here's why I like Brody Crane. 
Here's a bunch of video to back that up. You know, here's why I like Aiden Dubinsky. Here's a bunch of reason to back that up. Um, you know, just give last year as an example. This year, now, my bosses and everybody's bosses who works in the States for the OHL, they're not able to see the United States guys at all. You know, yeah. not at all, not one time live. And if in any other situation, could you possibly think like an NHL team would draft the kid without seeing him live 20 times, let alone not once? Like we yeah. are on just uncharted territory here and what we're trying to do. And then we have to have, you know, put our list together and communicate. When do we take this guy? You know, when he's going to come? And that's a lot of other stuff that, you know, goes into the draft stuff. But the video work, we're, we're just we're just thrown at each other nonstop. Guys are sending me Ottawa guys. I'm sending them New Jersey guys. Guys are sending me guys from the G. I'm sending them back guys from Florida. They're sending me guys from the Alliance. You know, here's a bunch of Midwest guys. It, we're just nonstop sending each other video. And I think everybody has to be doing it. What else can you do? You know, for yeah, especially especially this year when I mean, eventually there's got to be a draft. And that's why it's nice to have a plan and you need that communication because I mean, the draft this year, I mean, eventually there's got to be one, but it's going to be very tough. I mean, it's tough because I mean, obviously teams have their own draft boards and they don't pay, they don't need to pay attention to the, real, the other draft boards from media members and stuff because they have their own. So that's interesting. Cause, I mean, you're going to need a lot of communication, especially for the draft this year. Yeah. Yeah. No. And last year it was kind of interesting because, you know, we were doing the draft over zoom. You know, yeah, no, um, no OHL Cup either. That was tough. No OHL Cup, no, no U.S. Hockey Nationals, which usually isn't gigantic, but it's going on during our OHL draft um, every year. Not being able to get in a room together is yeah. difficult. It's difficult because that's where you know, you know the random guy and I, not the random guy, but another scout and I can yell at each other and communicate. And this is what we think. And then Mark can mm -hmm. kind of overlook yep. and Rob can kind of overlook getting, being, being able to get into a room and communicate and really lay out the list is the ideal situation, but nothing's been ideal for the last 15 months. So we're going to keep doing whatever we can to give these kids the best opportunity to, you know, live out their dream playing hockey one day, but it is just, you know, we're in, we're in the tough situations here and we still, I can't believe we're still in it. Yeah. 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 It's really tough uh, with Billy Sullivan, U S scout for the London Knights. How often are you communicating with the, uh, the big guys in London at Budweiser gardens? Cause you, you were talking, you're sending video back and forth between you and uh, other scouts and whether that makes its way to uh, Dylan, Mark, Dale. Um, how often do you have, big meetings with all of you guys together to kind of discuss this. Cause I mean, before you could always just, Hey, a little bit tough for you, but to just drive up to London, get in the boardroom, have a meeting mm -hmm. where now it's kind of, Hey guys, when are you free for a zoom call? Like, what are we, how do, how do we do this here? So for, for you, how often is, are those meetings between you and, and the big guys? Well, we have kind of like two different situations going on. We have group stuff, which London has done an absolute fantastic job of keeping it on a relative, you know, consistent basis. Every, you know, two weeks or something, we're going to hop on on a Wednesday and we're going to talk for an hour and go over our big list or this day we're going to go over the States, this day we're going to go over Canada. And we get on and we talk and we communicate and we see each other and we know and we're staying up to date. I, I honest to God think communication because 
Oh, the communication is so, so important. So we're not just spitballing at the end. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, the draft, it, exactly. The draft was supposed to, in a normal year, would have been what, uh, the beginning of the, like two weeks ago, right? Yep. Yeah. And, and now it's still two months away. It's sneaking up on us. Like, yeah, the hockey's pretty much all done down here and hasn't started up there. But so we've been consistently, um, you know, not so much at the beginning and maybe not so much um, there for the holidays and stuff. But since the new year, we've been communicating. And then on top of that also, then there's one-on-one stuff we do where, you know, okay, we're going to talk to Billy about the, his guys he has going on. Then we're going to go talk to, you know, Brendan about his guys and Jay about his guys. So London and, and Mark and Rob have done, you know, and Dale a fantastic job of making sure we're on top of it. And, you, I mean, not to, you know, pump their tires. They wouldn't have expected anything else based on my time there. The one thing that you can't, that you, can't you know, ever say about London is that we're not going to be prepared for something. You know, yeah. like it's going to be Jeez. when it's, it's go time. This is how everybody makes their living. You know, this is, this is what we do. This is what yeah. they do. Yep. Like we're not going to mess around with it and just talk a month before, you know. How, yeah, how much are they a part of your pitch to Mark and Dale, Rob and – um, that whole, or the whole front office, how much are they a part of the pitch to players for you? Oh, if not, probably the biggest part of the pitch. I mean, <laughs> listen, like what, well, like I said earlier, the majority of kids I do believe should go to school. Yep. I truly do. However, not everybody, if you're a kid that is, you know, physically developed, most importantly, I base it off of NHL potential. If you're a player who has, you know, if you're looking at a list of people of the best players in the end or in the States for your birth year, and there's not, you can't name 10 guys better than, better than you, you know, in, you know, out of the United States, you're a guy that needs to be in the mix to come to the OHL. You're a high end guy, a guy who's going to get drafted more specifically, in my opinion, if you're going to go in the first half of the draft or have the potential to go in those first three or four rounds, you get your butt up there either at 16, 17, or 18, and you learn how to play a pro game because it is just different. There's a reason why half the players come from major junior hockey, but more specifically in coming to London, um, a gigantic part of it is the bud and playing there. I mean, yep. you, know, yeah, you guys have been there. Arena. Yep. I mean, are you kidding me? That's I've been to NHL, NHL games with a lot less people. You know, yeah. Yeah. it is. Not a lot less. I'm exaggerating for emphasis, but you know what I mean. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. It is a NHL rank. And another thing about the bud is you're always going to get the other team's best game at always. the bud because everyone wants to play there. So it's everyone says, like, oh, we get to play a lot of nights. But the biggest thing about playing a lot of nights in the bud is you get to play at the bud. And, oh, the, and the players – the, how do you not develop playing when every team's playing their best in your home arena because they want to beat you there because the scouts are there. I mean, you're playing in like an NHL oh, yeah. arena. I mean, you're playing against one of the big, best developers in the, all of the world in the Hunter family. So it's huge. Well, spe- specific, uh, no question. Specifically, the bud gets you going and everything. And then when I'm talking to guys, it's like, hey, go do some of your homework on the London Knights. Go see the players that have come through here. And then yeah. go and then go see how they came through here The and, and what they did and and, you know, what certain Americans did, you know, look, it's so important for kids in general to know about the leagues that they're going to be, that they want to play in. Research. You know? Like you, yeah, we all watch the NHL. You want to play there, but listen, there's steps to getting there. And how can you say, 
Billy, thank you, but I want to go to, you know, um, Greengrass University over the London Knights. Um, okay, but have you ever seen a game at the Budweiser Gardens? Have you ever seen the hockey in the OHO? Have you ever seen the guys that come from the – have you talked to anybody? You have to do yeah. your homework because the biggest thing that I can try to get through to people is as great as, you know, I enjoy NCAA hockey, I really do, um, and I think, it's, I think it's great, you don't go from being 15 years old to NCAA hockey. You have a three or four year span, five year span where you have to, until you get there. And fortunately or unfortunately, that's a span where people determine your worth for the professional hockey ranks. Yeah. Um, and I happen to represent, in my opinion, one of the, you know, the either the best or one of the best organizations in the world at developing hockey players and young men for the next level. And just when you come in there and it's just like, and you put on the green and gold for the first time and you step out onto the rink and it washes over you. I've had guys tell me how emotional they get, but even after that, now it's time to get better. What makes the hunters different aside from the fact that Dale has his Jersey up in Washington and, and Mark yeah. won a cup and, and they, and, the, and Mark ran, you know, the Leafs, um, the Leafs, uh, you know, draft, for, for years. And, and Dale was a coach. These guys know what it takes to play at the next level. And I think it goes without saying what they're, what they do with prospects and more specifically the high end skilled prospects, these guys find a way to develop them, get them ready. Um, and there's a the reason why London Knights step into the NHL ready to go. And yeah. Not all guys need to, you know, play hockey until they're 26. Some guys need to be fast-tracked, and that's the kind of players that I'm, you know, specifically going after. How, how big is it? I mean, London Knights with, I mean, Matthew DeChucks went through there, but the big one, Patrick Kane. How big is Patrick Kane going to London? How big is that for the kids in the States seeing Patrick Kane going there? Because, I mean, you see, hear from Trevor Zegras there, like how everyone in the States wants to be Patrick Kane. I mean, that can be a problem to wanting to be Patrick Kane, but how that that's choice to go to London for Patrick Kane, I mean, how much does that help uh, the London Knights with Americans? Because Patrick Kane went there, and he's so big in the States. Uh, I mean, it's huge. And we have to get a, we, uh, every team has to get a Patrick Kane or a significant high end player every so often to kind of be their, you know, their guiding light for a little bit. And luckily yeah. we had Patrick Kane to, you know, lead that for, for a while. I don't know if you guys know this, but I didn't know this Patrick Kane going in because he's the late birthday, right? So he was coming to London for his draft year after two years at the program. Yeah. Patrick mm -hmm. Kane did great at the program too, but he also, that was kind of like, the last, you know, that was kind of the last hurrah for the gigantic guys in hockey. You know, it was kind yeah. of starting to change and Patrick Kane kind of flipped it on its head a little bit, but I didn't know this. Patrick Kane was slated as a second or third round pick going into his draft year. Now, again, a lot changes, you know, in from a kid's rookie year to the next year, which is, which I can't even discuss right now with the OHL not playing. It makes me so upset for <laughs> these kids, but yeah. Patrick Kane came in, knew what he wanted to do in terms of, okay, I play a skill-based game. I play with, you know, a lot of creativity. Where's the best spot for me to go? Okay, maybe it's the go where they just won a Memorial Cup and Corey Perry was there and, you know, um, Dylan Hunter was there and Brandon Prost and, and, and Shrimp and all these guys were making plays. 
and you know Markendale got him to come and then okay time to blossom here you go go make your mistakes yeah. you want to make six turnovers fine That's make sure you set up seven let them go <laughs> and learn how to you know make less of those you know mistakes but more productive plays because the OHL guys is the mini NHL we play yeah. a similar style yeah it is it is it's very well, the schedule too it's different than college i mean college you're done in march the OHL you're just starting playoffs in march yeah i mean the call the games the number of games are one thing there there was a kid yeah. um that i really like um he just signed to go professional either last year or the year before and he went two years and he played in college and you know great player a lot of kids are going to go you know great either way you know we're going to be great either way but there's certain yeah. kids i really think should go our way um and I was looking at his stats. I was like, God, man, I was like, this kid played 41 games in the last two years. You yeah. know, it's like, I don't, and I what know. What he could have played. Exactly. And here's the argument that a lot of college people make. And I believe it for 90% of the kids, not all the kids. It's like, hey, you need to learn how to go and play in that middle ground where the yeah. OHL's younger guys. Here's the men. And you have to go and play against men. And I agree on a lot of, a lot of the kids. I truly do. I also believe that not everybody needs to go and play against a 25 year old, you know, um, criminal justice major, as opposed to playing against the London Knights power play that has three first rounders, a third and two third rounders on it. And 19 <laughs> yeah. year old high end skilled guys who just got drafted in the first two rounds of the NHL, they need puck touches. And yeah. we play so many games and we play a skill based game. They need the puck on their stick. Some guys or little younger and littler and not younger, but they need to learn how to play against men. But some guys need to learn how to play with skill and yeah. against skill and at the NHL style. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I have two more questions left. One, I mean, you had a big hit last year. I mean, I got to see him up close a couple times after a game, in the press box, um, Bryce Montgomery. Um, I think he's legit. I mean, he's got the size, the skill to be a top prospect in this year's draft. I mean, you scouted them closely. What's your opinion for an NHL team? What are you getting in Bryce Montgomery that you think makes him so special? I think you're getting a stalwart who will be on the yeah. blue line for the better part of a decade. I think this is a guy who, you know, could one day where, you know, is getting a silver stick on the ice. I, I truly believe that um, a lot of the guys ranked higher and rightfully so because they're the hockey is an entertainment business. Don't get yep. me wrong. You know, guys, the sex appeal sells it just like in everything else. We want to see a sexy player. And Bryce is a guy who I, I can say with, I truly believe this. He is going to be a number two, three, four, or five defenseman in the NHL for, you know, over a decade. He last year, the London Knights were going for it. Okay. We were going for the, we were going to, we were trying to win the Memorial cup. Yeah. Um, I mean, after the holidays, I think we won 29 of 31 or yeah, something. It was crazy. Like, Kitch Kitchener won like 15 games in a row. Flint won like 14 in a row. And I mean, the Knights just kept six or seven points in front of them. It was crazy. I remember I had a ball hockey tournament one weekend and we lost the game and I was like, Whoa, like what, what happened? Like the, you know, the, 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 the ice cracker, like what is going on? You know, we were going for it. Um, and I bring that up because guys in major junior, how many rookies are stand out just superstars at 16 and seven at rookie years at rookies, you know? Yeah. Not, not, I mean, Mitch Marner, 
Yeah, and even and even Mitch wasn't like a point of game. Yeah, game, Mitch, yeah. You know? yeah. Um, he was good when he got in the like when he got his chance, but like yeah. Right, right. Mitch was you know fantastic. Also, it helped that Mitch grew five inches over the next two years too. But <laughs> yeah, that was, was huge. yeah, that helps. Eh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, go wow. ask, uh, go ask um, Alex Formenton about that. That kid was drafted at five seven and just played uh, for the Ottawa Senators at six two. Yeah, you know? Josh, Josh Anderson too. Yeah, exactly. So, anyways, back to Bryce. Um, the 16-year-old year is in London and most major junior places. It is. It's a development year, guys. It is yeah. not a showcase year. It's where you learn how to play junior hockey, learn how to play with these, you know, the Connor McMichaels of the world and the Liam Foodies of the world, and learn how to play with them and against them and, and defend. You're not going out there expect. You're not throwing Bryce Montgomery out at 16 and 17 last year expecting him to carry the puck all up down the rink and get a six goals and win the game. But I mean, you think about last year, we were going for it. Who do he have in front of him? He had Ryan Merkley first round <laughs> NHL pick, you know, Marcus Phillips played in the world juniors, Hunter Skinner played in the world juniors, Alec Regola. I don't know how well you guys or anybody really knows him, but Alec Regola is another yeah. one who's going to be. Oh, we're still, running. we're still yeah. kind of upset over uh, Trient, Brendan Trient fans. Or yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And that was yeah. very uh, unfortunate. <laughs> I'm the, thing is, about that. the thing is about Regula, he could play net front on the power play. I mean, he was like the Swiss army knife there. It was crazy. You put him in front of the net, kids couldn't move him. And I think Bryce is yeah. going to be in that mold of the Alec yeah. Regula. And Bryce last year, and I just was reading a bunch of uh, NHL rankings and stuff came out. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm like, guys, like nobody is talking about this kid. This kid is going to be a stalwart in the NHL. He just is. Exactly. And you know, last year eased in, played a little over half the games, played seven, eight minutes a game. He did a good job in his role, ended up with some plus minus. This year that we haven't played yet, just like a number of other kids in the league, he was going to be a top four for the London Knights in his NHL draft year. And, if, and if I know a lot of people are saying, listen, everybody else is playing in the world. So the OHL's just got to deal with it. And I agree with that to the point where, we're the only league not playing. The NHL draft still got to go. Yeah. But yeah. please understand how much these OHL kids are unintentionally getting screwed. You know, yeah. or not, or not screwed, but they're not playing. And to evaluate a kid off what he did in his his rookie year, well, I mean, well, I know look that, at ugh. look at last year. Look at last year, Luke Evangelista. His first year, he had no points. His second year. Last year, Luke Evangelista is not a second-round pick. If this happens a year earlier, Luke Evangelista is, quite frankly, not a second-round pick. And, I Luke mean, he can play in every line, any he line he can play on. Oh, man, he's fantastic. He had two points in 27 games his rookie year, okay? Yeah. And that's fine because it was a development year. What if yep. he didn't have that next year? Luke yeah. Evangelista, is he drafted, let alone 42nd overall? You know, yeah. look at Robbie Thomas. Look at, you know – yeah. Alex Foreman didn't even play in the OHL as a 16 year old and went yeah. at the beginning of the second round. Look at Liam Foodie. Look at, and this is just London guys. It's yeah. all over the league. Yeah. It's, it's all, all over the league. I was just naming London guys. Like, yeah. you know, there's a I lot know. of players that are, that are in the same boat, all of them. Yeah, for well, sure. It, when you think about it, we had Mike Stubbs, of course, radio voice of the London Knights. He's great. Uh, Oh, I love Mike Stubbs. Great stories. Awesome. Great stories. He told us the uh, cop story, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it was funny. He told us, uh, I was actually getting to this, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> about the 20, yeah, I guess 2016 
Uh, Memorial Cup them. after you guys defeated the Ice Dogs. Bouchard uh, in the dressing room. Sweet. Yeah, all these guys <laughs> yeah, in the dressing right, room. You think it. of these guys, you're like, they didn't play in a Memorial Cup. Cole Shearwood. Cole Shearwood. It's just amazing to see that. And then they go on, of yeah. course, Evan Bouchard's going to be a stud with the Edmonton Oilers one Top day. Like, pick, it's just, yeah. yeah, it's 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 unbelievable what they've been able to do with these guys. And they were they were in the dressing room in a Mem Cup final. Yeah, no, and and the, these are high end players. That's how that's how Dale and Mark run it in London, and I'm big on it too. Listen, I'd be lying to you if I said every once in a while, oh, well, I need him in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. However, <laughs> guys, I can't argue with the results. I mean, I know. Pay your dues, okay? You're not gonna have to do it forever, but you have to do it at the beginning. Overcome that adversity because if you come out that other end, you're better. Uh, you're not just better, guys. You're ready. You yeah. are ready. And it works, especially there. And they throw you right into that system. I mean, we and we had Luke Evangelista on. They, I mean, he mentioned that his first year. I mean, he got to watch a lot, see mm-hmm. what the guys in front of him are doing. And then next year, you're 17 in your draft year. They throw you a penalty kill power play minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. they throw you t- they throw you that wing spot with Liam Foodie and Connor McMichael. They give you that opportunity. And I mean, if you make the most of it, which I mean, for the most part, they've had the chances. They've yeah. made the most of it. So guys, you got to like, you got to get a little bit of playing time, and and that's what exactly. they get, and they and they play, and you learn from that, and you and you play in practice against these high end guys. Like you don't think about it, but like I mentioned earlier, our power play literally had three first round NHL picks and two thirds. That was yeah. our power play. And there should have been Every, a second with yeah, a Regula. Regula is a lot higher than a third now. Looking at it, and I'm not even including. Um, Stranges, who went was the first pick to Dallas in the fourth, and Evangelista, and you know, you know, Montgomery, and all these other guys who were going to be picked. And these are the guys that you're playing against and with every day. And you're telling me that you know this isn't one of the best ways to become a better hockey player. Yeah, it, guys, it works. it works. It oh, works. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think it. I think pretty. it also helps too. And watching the games. And of course, it's a lot easier when Sportsnet's doing the games. They sort of, they sort of show Dale Hunter quite a bit. Um, and of course, that's just the caliber of coach he is, the caliber of player that he was. Um, and he's not really coaching. He's, you know, he's got his arm crossed. He's kind of kind of looking, and it, it looks like he's just letting his players play and learn on their own during the games. And when it gets to practice, that's when he steps in to fix a mistake from a Saturday night game against the Owen Sound Attack or whoever. No, I, I, I can't. I don't. I'm not on the bench, so I don't want to speak for what exactly goes on on the bench. But what I can tell you about his practice and in between games is. Until you get to junior hockey, because most midget teams and youth teams don't do it, you don't understand hockey very well yet, okay? And I'm, and I'm just saying everybody. Like, you think you know hockey, you know, respectfully, you guys, me, none of us know hockey very well in terms of what the level of knowledge that some of these people have. Yeah. I, I remember the first time I, I went to the coach's room and, and back in London, and that's kind of like the, the grail where everybody sits and, you know, talks around all the scouts and GMs come in and everybody sits back there. And the first 20 minutes I was in there, there was 12 people in there and none of us were talking except for Dale Hunter and uh, <laughs> Mr. Rook, who was, uh, he was the goalie coach for the Nashville Predators. And for 20 minutes, <laughs> Dale was trying to, and, and, and Mr. Rook were, were debating a two-on-one as the goalie coach, do you want your defenseman to slide towards the inside post or do you want to slide towards the outpost and in what situation? And this was a debate that we were all just listening to 
for 20 minutes. That was the first yeah. time I was in that back wow. room, That's you know, cool, and you don't think about stuff like that. And I remember, I remember when I, I walked out of the room that day, I was like, okay, I'm in the right spot. Like, this is the kind of stuff I like to talk about, but like, I don't really have anybody to talk to about it, but like, that's nice. Yeah. You know, it was very neat. So going back to your question in a very long roundabout way, sorry about that. Oh yeah. No problem. Going into practice, the video is so important guys. Like when you watch yourself and you watch the team and then it's like, okay, I Billy Sullivan play like, you know, um, say Brandon Saad or somebody. Now I need to watch Brandon Saad. What makes Brandon Saad good? How does he succeed? Okay. And what does he do poorly that I could improve about and, you know, improve about myself. And then you watch your game and like, look what Brandon did in this situation. Yeah. Really look what you did. The video work that you get in London as a team is great. And then it's upon you to go Say, hey, Dale, hey, Dylan, hey, Steady, hey, Rob, hey, anybody who's a full-time hockey coach here, can, hey, Mark, can we go over some of my individual stuff? I need to see what I'm doing on the breakout. I need to see what I'm doing off the cycle because I'm not getting as many opportunities as I want and I'm used to it. And what can I do? And guys, you have any idea how much better you're going to get when the first time in your life you're getting this kind of coaching and teaching and guess who's giving it to you? You know, yeah. it's the, it's the hunters giving it should be people. hall of famer and Dale Hunter. I mean, yeah, the guys, the, the, the hockey you learn there as a staff member, as a team member, as you know, as the electrician who was there one Tuesday is so <laughs> unbelievable. It well, they just see awesome. things. They just see things, right? I mean, they pick up on things that people don't. And I mean, that's the cool part about them. I mean, that's why it's such a special program. I mean, they Absolutely. know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. And yeah. Um, one last question here I have. Sure. Oh, um, any adv- We like to ask our guests this. Any advice for uh, kids that want to get into scouting someday? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, two things. And I'll talk. One, getting your foot in the door is the hardest part. Okay. Getting yeah. the hockey world is small once you get in. And all the OHL scouts, maybe someday become NCAA guys and someday become, you know, um, NHL guys and the three groups kind of cycle in and out, depending on who's GM where and stuff, getting your foot in the door is the hardest part. So what you have to do is volunteer to shadow somebody volunteer to work for free for a decade. If you have to volunteer to do whatever you need to do just to get your foot in the door and show that you want to be at the rink and work and work and work because the hard work, is the, the biggest part, but you have to get an opportunity and that's the hard part. So you have to keep emailing people, introduce yourself to people at the rink. If you see them with a jacket on, um, go to these places and find a way and, and understand you're going to have to start low. You're not going to start by being, you know, the, the Tampa Bay, you know, head scout for the States. You're not going to start by, you know, being the U S scout for London. You're not going to start by, you know, being the assistant coach for the university of Minnesota, but, be willing to work wherever you want. You know, I, I heard Rob Simpson, who is our associate GM in a, in a, um, in a podcast one time, say my, my, my personality was when I was getting started was just say yes to everything. And that's kind of the mentality that you need to have is don't turn anything down. Say yes. If somebody wants you to be assistant coach to some AAA team, do it, you know, get into the hockey world. And then, the other big part, guys, is um, and people sometimes, and I've 
I've seen this. Once you get in and you're working for a team, people forget this because they're like, hey, check out my jacket. You know, um, I'm working for a team. They forget to produce. You know, you got to produce. London doesn't keep Billy Sullivan on and, you know, or keep Joe Schmo on or they're not going to keep, you know, Colin and Reese on it. You, you got to produce. Yeah. guys. It's about making something happen. It's like a position. player. Yeah, exactly. it's like a player. You got to produce. You get in that spot, you got to produce. I mean, you, making the teams, I mean, it's like making a team. Making the team's just the first step. I mean, then you got to go out there and now do what you got to do after you make the team. I mean, that's just the first step. A hundred percent, guys. I mean, just like with anything, you got to produce. So the hard work is going to, is going to take exactly. you places, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Well, man, that was awesome. Yeah, that was a fun uh, one. Billy Sullivan, mm-hmm. we really appreciate it. Thank you so much for doing this. You will make it back to London. It will happen one day. We will have hockey at Budweiser so. Gardens one day. Um, and yeah. when that happens, we'll more than likely make sure to be there when you're there so we can say hi and meet up and have some fun. So again, thank you for doing this. No, guys, I appreciate you having me. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for doing what you do. It's it's some type of OHL entertainment and I enjoy it. And I'm, I know another number of other people do too. So thank you. And, you know, hopefully I see you guys soon. That was Billy Sullivan, U.S. scout for the London Knights. Scouts, man. They seem fun. <laughs> we need more scouts on the show. Oh yeah. I think when, what's the next team we're going to talk scouting because Ooh. honestly scouting is where it's at. I mean, they're growing the future of our league yeah. and they are so crucial. As, to, essentially they, they are what is going to get this league back on the ice and for sure. And they have the most important part of it because whenever I mean, the future, back. yeah, the future is important. I mean, we mentioned before the interview that those guys are going to be very important because I mean, yep. a lot of guys aren't going to be back when this is over and yeah, it's so big, but yeah, get an interview. I mean, all scouts like to talk. I mean, we saw it a lot. We saw it a lot in Niagara. I mean, I was lucky to talk to a few guys from around NHL teams. And I mean, they yep. talk a lot. You're always there. I remember I showed up to the, like the press box, like just, but we usually get up to the press box, like just like five minutes before warmups, like, or no, five yeah. minutes before the gates open sometimes. Cause then we don't have to walk through all the people. You know, walk. The- yeah, that's true. Up. Yeah. Gates open around six. We get up there five ten. or 10 to six. Yeah, because then you can always talk to your guys yeah. and stuff, catch up. That's the thing. That's the thing too. We don't even have to rush up there, despite us actually doing it, because we, you know, we're important. We have our seats reserved. So yeah, that's true. Just want to put that out there. But that's Jordan true. Musa, Th- shout out to thank her. you. Thanks. <laughs> I don't even have a name tag there, eh? I just show off. I don't even need, have a, I don't need? even. Need, I don't even need a name tag. I can just go and show off. I last whoa, year. Whoa, whoa. You need you need to be there for three last, years. Last, you, I know it. Well, you can do I, well that. hey, you hey, know, hey, time former out. Former host of Dogs time TV. Out, time out. Time I out. Time out. Maybe, that. maybe that's why. Maybe that's why. Hey, I mean, it's your co-host. Maybe that's why I get the free ride. So I want to thank you, Reese Dumaney, for all you've done for paving me to go get a no name tag in a press box. I want to thank you for that. Shout out to Dogs TV. Thank you for everything you did. That should have a statue in front of the arena. I know, right? I mean. It should. It, so I, I got to thank you for that because that's honestly probably the reason why I don't have to email her to say I'm going to games. I don't have to. I don't have a name tag. Perfect. Thanks, Attaboy. Jordan. But thank you, Reese. Love that. <laughs> yep. I'm here for you. Um, well, that wraps up the show for this week. Only one break. Billy Sullivan, the fun great one. guest. He will be back. Yeah. Hopefully, I feel like we're playing hockey when that happens. I hope we nice. can. Yeah, because so it's a different excited. perspective, eh? If you think about it, oh, it is. I mean, for him, it might not be just because he's, you know, he's in the U.S. I mean, he can obviously go up, scout the Erie Otters, 
he can jump over to Michigan and scout the Plymouth Whaler. Plymouth Whalers. Jesus. The Love Flint, it. the Flint Firebirds and the Saginaw Spirit. Like that's that's, that's good for obviously London has a Michigan scout, so he could do that. But yeah, it gets you know, for him, it's not it's not so much about scouting for trades, I guess. But still, it's an interesting perspective. Whereas in your in the offseason, you obviously know what you're scouting for. You're scouting for the draft. You're scouting to make your team better through drafting, through signing. Yeah, Whereas I mean, that's in the it season, it's more, hey, this guy on this team, go watch him play against this team and against this goalie and against this D pairing. See if yeah. he would work in a midseason trade for us. So that'd be a yeah. cool perspective too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it was fun. I mean, scouts always talk, so that's always exciting. Yeah. Hey, not a problem. Means yeah. we talk less. Yeah. Hey, I can't wait. Oh yeah, I can't wait to go. <laughs> I can't wait till we can get back into arenas. Yeah. That conversation, literally, I'm. I guarantee you, it might be puck draft. We're still chatting. I know, right? We, we can chat. We can be chat in the media room. Right. Well, I remember the first time I was in London. The uh, media room food was prime rib, so I could have stayed in there until puck draft. Oh yeah, I, I mean, didn't, but I could. We're, but that's the one thing about us. We're always late to the press box as we're talking to somebody. And it's that sweet. Is very it's true. sweet. It's sweet. Hey, that's radio. But hey, it's sweet. Or, I mean, you know, you're talking to someone and I'm like, come on, Colin, let's go. Come on. Cut yeah. Or vice versa. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, it has up. happened before. It has happened before. Whatever, yeah, I mean, who cares? Yeah. I mean, that's what it's all about. I mean, we went golf and I wanted to. It's all uh, about networking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do it. Yep. Players do it. Radio yep. guys do it. Scouts do it. Yep. Fun show. Yeah. It was a good one. Play the wings. Um, hopefully we have an update. Yeah. And we week. chat in two weeks. two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. That would be nice. Yes, uh, it would. So we will see. Actually, we won't see anyone. I don't know why people say that. We'll see you then when you're on radio. You don't see anybody. No, you see our podcast um, logo. You see yeah, the- I guess. Yeah. Right now, people are thinking, shut up, Colin. Yeah. Or no one cares, Reese. No one's thinking about that. <laughs> yeah, shut up, Reese. <laughs> shut up, Colin. All, All right. right. You we'll play we'll the goal horn for you. We'll uh, chat in two weeks. Go Jacks. Go Jacks.